I'm going to have to look that up. Aloha, everyone. Brian here. Day six of the quarantine stay for, well, again, my second for 2021, but the first in Sydney of 2021. So uh, still, still going well overall. Um, feeling pretty good. We've had some ups and downs, and I, I got a, um, a few good calls just to check on me and, and us and everything, so thank you for that. The biggest thing is I know the other day, probably when I was out on the Lanai, and it was after a couple of gloomy days here in Sydney, uh, even though we're stuck inside, the mood was a bit tense here and probably less to do with the quarantine situation than uh, some other family events, which are good. The short, the short news is that as part of this move to Australia and part of the complications, uh, a lot of which are due to the COVID situation and difficulty of flights, fares, etc. But uh, we had uh, taken on a small dog when we RV'd, uh, mainly for my wife, but has quickly become a part of the family, a small uh, miniature poodle named Maui. <laughs> Uh, picked him up in just at the beginning of March 2020 when we were RVing. Uh, turned out to be a perfect dog for the RV. Our short history is uh, we've had shepherds, German shepherds for a long time, and at one point had three German shepherds when we lived in Hawaii. And a couple of years ago, knowing that our, our move to you know take some time and travel via RV in the U.S. and then to Australia was not going to work with big dogs uh, just due to the logistics difficulty, etc. So we spent a lot of time um, finding a new home for um, for two of the dogs. The eldest had passed um, so that they could be rehomed by some dog lovers and friends of ours in Hawaii and kind of knew that that would be overall better. Um, in the meantime, we picked up Maui, uh, took him around with us, lived with us, and then when the time came, realized that we're going to bring him to Australia, and it is very difficult if you've never tried to get a, a pet with you uh, to certain countries, definitely Australia being one, being an island continent, very, very carefully controlled in terms of biosecurity, understandably. So, you know, it takes 180 days to do all the blood tests, making sure he's got all the right shots, paperwork, treatment, and then, especially with everything going on, we had a special pet handler to arrange his flights, which were separate from ours, uh, into Australia, and he is now down in uh, Victoria, in Melbourne, for a 10-day quarantine. Um, ironically, four days less than us, but um, the, the plan is we've got it scheduled out so that he'll come out of quarantine, and now it looks like he'll get another, uh, I guess, valet pet handler to bring him up to Brisbane where we'll pick him up finally but he spent a couple of extra days in Los Angeles which from the photos and emails sounded like it was fantastic it was like a doggy day camp and he seemed very excited when we dropped him off which was a relief because there were other pups around uh, they're very good the uh, the company Pet Express that we're using and dog lovers and the dogs usually spent most of the day in a big open area playing got walks and so the updates from LA looked like he was having a fantastic time. And so then on the weekend came and he had a, a long flight to Singapore and then a long layover, uh, during which time, thankfully, they got him out, walked him around, you know, feed him, get him some air, and then another flight down here to Australia. 
so there was a bit of a dark period where we did not, in dark meaning communications wise, where we didn't have the updates yet that he had. We knew he had arrived based on the flight schedule, but didn't have any photos or email updates and then did finally get them to show that he was okay and then received confirmation that he was in, in Melbourne. So uh, it worked out all right, but I know that was hanging on uh, definitely my wife and, and all of us as well, because it, it's, especially when you're not traveling uh, with, with your pup and him being a small pup and flying in, in cargo to uh, Singapore, uh, albeit a special cabin, and you have to trust that they're going to handle them correctly, and then knowing that they'll be met by somebody to to get relief, uh, to get some exercise and get food, but then another flight to Melbourne, you just never know. And he had only flown with us to LA from Atlanta and seemed to be fine with that, but was able to fly in the cabin. So uh, that's part of it. So some good news for us. Poor little guy is now doing his quarantine um, as we said, uh, four days less, thankfully, and then we'll see him at the end of next week. So that's the, the first uh, personal update. Uh, some other things, I have a bit of an agenda, trying to get uh, more organized. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about uh, some sport in a bit, and then do a little bit deeper dive on the DCC Adventure Pack, DCC Day. So I'll, I'll put a disclaimer. I, I'm hoping they're not spoilers, but just to warn you so that if you are... Uh, I guess fortunate enough to either be running in it and don't want to know, um, you could skip ahead and then uh, maybe catch the end. After that, just a few other thoughts I think I have from quarantine, uh, mainly on coffee uh, for a bit of a change. Uh, so we'll get into it. So what I'll do actually is I'll change the agenda a bit so I push DCC day uh, towards the end. The first thing, yes, yeah, sport. I was surprised. I heard on uh, Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks uh, a few days ago, Andy Goodman talking about his excitement that England made it to the, the final of the European Championships, the Euro 2020. Of course, it was supposed to be last year, but got offset by the, uh, the pandemic. So this is the Euro 2020 plus about one year of COVID-19 stoppage time. And it was good to hear. Um, I gave him a little call, uh, but uh, I am, I think we talked before, a bit, bit of a sport fan, definitely enjoy the football. And by that, I mean the world football, <laughs> not as much the American football, but was excited to hear you know him get excited because it definitely has been a long time for uh, such a, a proud uh, football nation and he just put out a, a recent episode that I started to listen to and we'll get back to. Uh, it's a bit of a, a sad tale because as uh, those who follow know, uh, England lost a, a heart, bit of a heartbreaker. Uh, all in all, I'd say good match. I, I was able to get up for the second half of it because it started at about 5 a.m. local time in Sydney. Um, so the, the full disclaimer, I don't know that I've put this out, but I did share it when I called uh, <laughs> Andy. Um, my, my mom's Italian, and so uh, my, my, her family is Italian. I've lived in Italy, and uh, yeah, although I, am, uh, I, I, can't, I can't claim as much because I did grow up and was born in the U.S., so we, don't, we do not have nearly the, the legacy of, uh, of, of football that uh, England nor Italy have. But, you know, I have been a, a pretty good Italy supporter, and uh, they managed to squeak it out. Although, to be fair, I, 
I thought they were beaten, especially when they went to kicks. Uh, when Italy couldn't quite get another one across, um, it just it felt like they had been playing catch-up most of the match. And then even in kicks, I think England got a, a jump out in front. And to be honest, I, I think it was just, uh, I, it, it, was, it was luck. It really was just a bad string of luck for England. But all in all, I, I, if, if you're a follower, and especially given the year that everybody had last year, uh, not even just the sporting world, it's, it's good to see. And I have pretty fond memories, definitely have uh, quite a few fl- friends over in, uh, uh, in England who are supporters. And after I actually left Italy, when my wife and I left Italy in 2002, uh, we spent some time backpacking around the world. And due to our flight itinerary, benefited from a few connections in London uh, to and from different African cities, as it turned out, and then over to back to Europe. And so while we were there, I got to stay with some friends who live near uh, Heathrow Airport. And during the World Cup 2002, great memories of running around Windsor trying to get some some business done in terms of travel agencies when you actually had to go in and a few other financial things done uh, before everyone started to close around noon or I think it was about noon local time uh, so that everyone could gather for the England-Argentina World Cup match and crowded ourselves into one of our friends' favorite pubs standing shoulder to shoulder and even on tables to watch that. So yeah, really, really good memories. And so like I said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm personally happy, but I, I totally understand and feel for uh, the England fans. I think the squad did very well, but uh, it, it, yeah, just some, uh, some bad luck. So uh, maybe we'll see what happens at the, uh, the next World Cup. But enough on the, the sport news. I guess the, uh, the other thing that, that indirectly has come out of that is it's inspired me to do something, and I'll have, to, I'll have to put some more thought into it and probably after quarantine, but something special for the podcast. Um, I'll just leave it at that because it's, it's kind of clicked a challenge in my mind, something that I wanted to do and was indirectly inspired by another uh, member of the, the community, uh, more on the, on the vlogging and YouTube and Twitch side than, than strict podcasts. So I'm going to give it a go, and uh, I'll definitely give you warning as it comes together. Uh, so from that quarantine update, not too much has changed for us. <laughs> Full day of, of work for me, uh, some other you know, house hunting, pet arrangements. But unfortunately, the situation has not improved greatly in New South Wales. So the lockdowns are going to continue until the 30th of July. And... I guess I would say it's it's very difficult coming from the U.S. and after watching the disaster that unfolded there and how we managed it, I think it has definitely gotten back on track in terms of the vaccinations. But it's really hard now to see in other countries that have done so well where maybe the vaccination rates just have not come up as fast and the availability has definitely not been there. So, I mean, it's, it's a difficult problem just to, to look at and... and sketch a solution on the envelope back but seeing the the spike in cases and you know the the real concern about the delta variant shutting everything down again it just is a bit concerning because i'm pretty sure this will be repeated in many places uh, throughout this year so um, hopefully hopefully that the lockdowns will correct this so the vaccinations will will catch up Uh, we'll be off to queensland 
during that time where they don't have the same state, but we're relaying that to, uh, to friends and family, and I'm sure people up there will take it to heart uh, listening to and talking to their friends and family uh, that are here in New South Wales. But other than that, I wanted to give a quick few thoughts on coffee, uh, mainly because I might have mentioned before, I know uh, in one of the connections that I made earlier in the podcast with the cantrips and coffee, the guys up in Canada who've been doing some great role play uh, reviews, essentially actual play, and then reviews of systems, and including some great coffee recommendations. Uh, I am a coffee fanatic. My, my short discussion of coffee in Australia is this. Prior to my first trip here, um, when I was married in 2000, uh, just from friends and, and from my partner, you know, had been informed that, and, and probably rightfully so, the same is true in the states. If you if you go back, you know, further than that, and you know the Starbucks and coffee house explosion, but coffee in Australia had essentially been instant coffee, and to this day, in hotels and what we have here and in workplaces, you know, the default would be instant coffee as the standard, as opposed to a percolator. Uh, but since my trips in two thousand, and it has definitely continued to grow. I have found that in most places I've been in Australia, the average uh, coffee shop, and this is not necessarily, I don't think I've been to a Starbucks, there are a few here, and they have some other, some other chains, coffee club and whatnot, but talking just in general, the local coffee shop, the coffee has been outstanding. And I'm always excited in, in traveling and when I've come for work and been able to stay in the central business districts in the past, trying new coffee places. Had a few great colleagues uh, we used to work with from the um, uh, DST group here uh, when we do meetings. Uh, they also would either know or, or be more than willing to help seek out places that make uh, really good coffee. And so specifically what I mean is, you know, espresso-based drinks. And even further than that, usually from, you know, beans and special selections. So I always find that, you know, maybe it's, it's definitely different than probably past decades, but the, the coffee situation here uh, has greatly improved and is very, very good. Of course, being in quarantine, we cannot go out to the local coffee house and get some coffee. So um, we are not fortunate enough in this quarantine unit to have anything other than the hot water kettle. The last unit we had had a Nespresso machine and we had a few pods that were provided courtesy but we could order with our groceries sets of pods and the Nespresso machines have become quite big for home use here so we've just settled on the instant coffee. Thankfully uh, because the instant coffee market is obviously so big here as it is in some other countries uh, many big coffee makers have gotten into it, which includes Lavazza. So I have uh, tried and it's, uh, it's not bad, not bad at all. I mean, definitely better than the standard instant coffee, but they have Lavazza Prontissimo instant coffee. So there you go. I didn't, did not know that it existed, but uh, I'm uh, sure that even at Lavazza, they have made the calculations and in many countries that still do a, a fair trade in instant coffee, uh, they put some resources into it. So before we get into the DCC day, 
Adventure Pack. Just a few words on the Dying Earth Kickstarter, which is <laughs> over $235,000. So definitely well done for Goodman Games. Seven days left, I think. Maybe a little over, maybe eight. Time differences is a bit difficult. But anyway, the fact that they have raised so much money is pretty encouraging. And because of all the stretch goals has swelled the box <laughs> to I don't know how many additional source books adventures are throwing in there and if you're like me and went in for the full set with the adventures that were already planned you you've got uh, it, this is not just a like an expansion pack or another setting but this is you know another set of god probably like either 10 or 400 modules by the time it's done I think I lost track but anyway um so pretty excited, although now with the amount of additional material, I'm wondering if that is just going to make the shipping cost over here to Australia unbelievably high. Uh, so, but uh, nope, fair enough. I think, uh, yeah, for those of you who are also outside the U.S., uh, I am now feeling the pain that I think you have felt uh, for a while on getting some of these great products shipped over to you. So... Uh, we'll see as it comes out. The only thing that, that I wanted to say about it, or at least put out there, is I'm feeling a bit challenged now because I have not actually read a lot of the Jack fans' works, which is maybe it's a little bit embarrassing to admit. Uh, not sure about embarrassing. It's just, again, some of the classic works that you know of through games, other fiction even popular culture at some point, but just have not actually read them. And so when this came out, I had it on my list. Haven't done so, so I really need to go maybe make a, another purchase of some books. I did that a while ago with Fafford and the Grey Mousers. Actually, before I even got into DCC, I think I came across it. Uh, they were having a big sale on the Kindle versions. I can't even remember when. It was a while ago, but really before I even discovered DCC uh, and read through them. And of course, as many have said, really, really fantastic, entertaining. Um, so I assume that the Jack Vance books, specifically the Dying Earth books, would be the same. But I think just the general appeal of the setting, uh, is it already had me hooked. And that's also kind of why I went in to get Empire of the east just idea of kind of post post-apocalyptic dcc maybe mcc mashing a lot of different things together uh so that's pretty pretty cool um so anyway looking forward to that um and i think that gets us into the adventure pack which i just want to highlight briefly so if you really don't want to hear any spoilers i'll bid you farewell but i don't think i'm going to have many I think it's really just some general thoughts, and I probably put this out before, but you get essentially what would be at a minimum, I mean, I would say more than, oh gosh, I, I couldn't even tell you, but you know, $15, $20 maybe, even if it's $10, which still would be a bargain. And that's what actually the Harley Stroh module that was on sale for DCC Day was, $10, a bargain. It's got three adventures. So the first one that I kind of tore through Temple Siege for level one by Julian Vernick uh, from Spellburn is a pretty neat idea. And 
it's something that it kind of gets billed as, and here, here's maybe the thing is, it's a bit non-traditional. So, you know, your players are going to hear some rumors as they're traveling across the land about an old temple uh, that was built for uh, Younger. And Younger was a god of the hunt. And it's been, th- th- this, uh, this temple, Temple of Broken Angels, has been abandoned. And so what happens is it kind of starts with, you know, the players getting into the area and, you know, looking and exploring the temple and then running into what comes to be sets of raiders that have been kind of running, running around the area and eventually would also ransack the, table, the, uh, the temple. So Temple Siege kind of, um, you know, it, it reminds me of a few different movies or ideas I've seen, you know, so it kind of mixes up the normal kind of players in a temple, lots of unknown things, treasure hunt, and then some other potentially either treasure seekers or at a minimum, they're going to be antagonists for the players. And so as you go through that, you got a a couple of competing activities taking place. You know, they got to search, they're going to get some attacks, they're going to have to fight, they're still going to potentially have to deal with anything in the temple and, and go from there. And it it appeals from that set point because what I won't get into um, d- definitely maybe willing to or, or I'll leave it for you to to explore further is I think the bandits are pretty well designed and especially you know in this case the main antagonist so there's a couple of good surprises for the players um, this is set for I think I mentioned that level one so five to six level one. And you've got, again, so this is just one of three adventures in here, you know, but that covers the first 12 pages or so. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. Good little map of the temple. Some neat neat little tricks inside the temple for players. So that's always good. Um, yeah, yeah, that'll be good to run. Uh, the other two. So there's a Dying Earth adventure uh, in here, Fathoms Below Witch Isle, which is also pretty cool. I think the the biggest... Not issue. That's not fair. I think one of the, the the I think the biggest difficulty with this, with Fathoms Below Witch Isle, is it's introducing players to the world, but there's not a lot of the rules and kind of the final product yet. So, and this is by Mark Bruner. So, in in just in terms of the layout, you can then easily play this with DCC, you know, and 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 your homebrew rules as needed, but. It's good in that sense that it kind of starts to get you into the world. It gives you a bit of the background. You're kind of on the your Northern Ocean. There's Witch Isle. It kind of describes that starting the adventure. This also was another reminder for me in reading through this that it may be good for me to go and actually get back into the the uh, the source material. Um, it might it might click a little bit more, uh, but even without that. Uh, it's just for the just as an introduction to the world. It's it's pretty cool. So this is one that they've got a the players will find you know an underwater island. So as a result of magic, uh, there used to be an island that rose hundreds of feet above the surface of the ocean. You know, and and now as it turns out, it's going to be underwater. So it's got some neat twists for the players as they as they have to grapple with that. Uh, so so pretty good, yeah. But this is one that you know in kind of my first read through. I think Temple Siege caught me just because I I could actually put that in and run this. And then here's one that I think I might might sit on and get into some of the Dying Earth books and then wait for the, the set. Um, 
And then the last one, they've got an MCC adventure, The Never Win Rock. And the biggest thing I'd say for this, sorry, Bob Brinkman um, has done this one, is in reading through this, it kind of, it, it tears me because um, I have been interested in MCC, uh, don't have the, the core book yet, but wanted to see if I could kind of mash this up with a bit of DCC rules and then... Um, I, I mean, I do have some of the, there was a, I think a preview at some point Goodman Games had on the site or some others, but I think what this really boils down to is I have a feeling that in looking at this and wanting to run it, I really just need to get myself over and get the PDF of the MCC core book. I'm pretty sure I said that on this podcast, so I need to put that on my, my <laughs> to-do list. Um, it's something that I, when I was younger, I didn't really... I don't know if it really appealed to me. I mean, I remember seeing Gamma World, and I think the closest I got to Gamma World was one of the Endless Quest books, so those D&D Choose Your Own Adventure books. Uh, I had a few of them and then got interested because they came out with a Star Frontiers-themed one. I think I ended up getting a Gamma World one as well, and from that just got the idea that Gamma World was a sort of a sci-fi but didn't kind of grasp the post-apocalyptic nature of it and you know now is older and of course with with a lot more at least you know again and i talk more popular fiction but you know i kind of grew up with mad max road warrior and now of course the reboot and then all of the uh <laughs> nuclear cold war fears in the 80s and what that would look like um, this this is kind of intriguing me. And then the fact that you can run Empire of the East in either and Dying Earth, although it'll be DCC, again, is a pretty good mashup. Um, the other thing that I get from these is just, it just kind of reaffirms that maybe what I'm looking for is not, you know, cut and dry one or the other, but just the fact that a lot of these adventures seem to blur the lines, meaning, uh, and you'll definitely see it in Temple Siege, it's, it's not afraid to introduce bits of technology um, and also bits of weirdness or things that can't be explained, which are essentially maybe either magic or kind of getting to the, you know, more on the Numenera side, things that are so advanced that they may as well, may as well be magic. And in some ways for gameplay, it's better if it's envisioned that way because it's something that is introduced to the players where they, not that they can never figure it out, but it needs to seem as they're going to have a difficult time understanding it. You know, there needs to be a barrier in some ways. And it's, it, it gives you that element of the fantastic or the weirdness. So anyway, so as I said, you can probably tell, I think the, the first one really sunk in with me only because um, it was a little bit closer to what I'm familiar with running. But <laughs> all of these are extremely well put together, and I can see why this disappeared quickly and I think the the PDF uh, purchase online well actually I take that back it was not just PDF I think you could you could order this for a limited time online but that probably lasted about 80 seconds <laughs> due to the interest so yeah pretty pretty cool um, I know it was probably tough to pull off this year I know there were many stories that didn't do it and even if I if I hadn't said I'm pretty sure I covered even the story we went to you know it asked you to bring your vaccination card, definitely for gaming, um, although the sessions were, were full, but even just to go in and browse and participate. And so that was a, that was a pretty good thing. 
Um, and as I said, we didn't get to didn't get to, to stay too long just with everything else we were doing. Um, so looking forward to hopefully they run another one next year. Uh, hopefully it becomes a nice tradition. So uh, last thing I put out, which just came across, uh, maybe it was, again, with the day changes, it, Monday at least to the U.S., but um, if you're not familiar with Purple Sorcerer, they uh, have, I mean, they, they run uh, some products for DCC, a lot of really great modules. I have not uh, run or read them, so they're on the list to get. But the one thing that they do, uh, which I use quite a bit, is um, the tools and the crawler. And, you know, the, for me, it basically becomes, you can, you can definitely go online on your, on your PC, Mac, and get this, but uh, on your phone or tablet, the crawler gives you die roller that includes all of the nice weird dice and essentially gives you a lot of the major, you know, rules, kind of like an SRD. It's got the tools, spells, crits, fumble table, and they have character generators. And lots of people do this. I've done this for when I've been... I think a con game we got some pregens from the site so zero level characters and then classes and uh, at different levels but purple sorcerer games makes all of these available free and then it looks like this is the first year that i've participated they run an annual drive to collect money to help cover the costs of these tools so if if you use these please consider making a donation they've got lots of raffle prizes and actually i think if you're at the ten dollar or above level you'll end up getting a free adventure pdf so uh essentially you're basically for for your donation you're essentially buying an adventure and keeping these tools alive so again uh, one of the things they say is it's they do this because they get such great support from the community and feel that the community's love for the hobby is is fantastic and you know, that, that and the pledge drive keeps them going. So uh, I'm going to go over and make a donation. And if again, if, if you use these tools and, and, and you're able to uh, consider it making a donation, but if not, at least consider using these. And I'll put a link in the notes. I think that's about it. It's a little bit longer than normal, so I'm going to wrap up and get back to life in quarantine. So everybody out there, uh, hope you are doing well, staying safe and healthy, and enjoying your games. Cheers.